0: Okay, so I am going to try to make these short, and you guys know me on Sunday mornings, and uh, that, that rarely happens, but I, I, I want this to not be a long time. It's not about coming here with a full-blown sermon. Uh, what I do, though, is want to just get a little time in the Word together to just, just get our hearts focused on the Word, on the revelation of God and who He is in His Word. So if you guys have Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 19. So this is a worship and prayer night. And so I thought it would be good on our first Sunday evening worship and prayer night to simp- to ask a simple question. And the simple question is this, what is worship? What is it? What does the Bible have to say about it? And then we could do, man, we could do a full-blown, I mean, we could do like a weekend seminar on worship, right? We could go from Genesis to Revelation and just do a biblical theology of worship and work, you know, what's the storyline of worship as it works all the way through? I have much smaller goals tonight. I just want to open up to one of my favorite texts about worship, and I just want to, I just want to point out a couple of things in Psalm 19. So that's what we're doing. It's a small goal, but I think... Um, if the lord will meet us it's going to orient our hearts towards him so psalm 19 if you guys are there let's just let's just i'm going to read verses one through two and you guys can follow along with me up on the board if you want the heavens declare the glory of god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge so if you if you do happen to be taking notes, I just wanted to jot down a couple of points here. Number one, we see in Psalm 19, all of creation is worshiping. Everything that God has ever made, God made it to worship. That's a strange concept because we think of worship as what we do with our mouths, the songs that we sing, what we proclaim, what we, and I'm going to talk about it later, what we value in this life is worship. But how is it that an inanimate object worships? How is it that something like the stars in the heavens and the galaxies and black holes and and rocks, right? if 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 you guys don't cry out, the rocks will, Jesus says. How is it that they worship? Well, obviously, they don't worship with mouths that speak. But they're all worshiping. We're being told here and other places in scripture that everything God makes worships. Maybe if for no other reason, then God made it. And there it is in its very existence, standing there or sitting there or floating in the vastness of space, floating there, just existing. And its existence is worship. Because when you look at it, and you see it for what it is, and you see it for the beauty that it is, and it's even its existence for what it is. You say, There's one who made that. And so, if anything, it is a pointer to the one who is its creator. So, worship may be declared with words. Worship may be declared through song. Worship may be declared through your actions and the way that you live your life. Worship may be declared through the choices that you make and, the, and what you value. And worship may be, if you're an inanimate object, simply your existence is worship. And that's what it says there. Psalm 19, the heavens declare. Well, they don't have mouths. They don't have mouths. They are existing. And their existence is declaring What? the glory of God. So I thought more about this. And here's here's another point. Creation worships by remaining in its proper order and purpose. Creation demonstrates not only in its existence that God is great. Creation also remains in the order that God has given it right we we notice when we look out in the in the sky at night that you know the planets are orbiting around the sun they didn't know that for a while but we figured that out at some point in human history the planets are orbiting the sun we figured out at some point later that the sun is orbiting the galaxy the milky way galaxy and then we found out later that all of the galaxies are in motion and they're all going you know they're all moving in kind of the same direction at least all the ones in our area and there's some crazy force that's drawing them and the science still has no idea what on earth is going on there with the galaxies but everything operates according to an order and it demonstrates something about god and the orderliness of god in the way um that they exist and remain in their in their order. So stars worship by being stars. Galaxies worship by being galaxies. I want to put up a, a picture. So some of you guys know that I'm kind of an astronomy nerd. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm getting together with Adam. We're trying to get a camping trip where we go out to Joshua Tree and we just like see things that we can't see here. Let's just put it that way. See that star that star in the middle of the picture. That star uh, doesn't have a very fancy name. The name of that star is Stevenson 218. Can you that that's not a very cool name for a star? Stevenson 2-18. That's the star that's in the middle there. And you can't really tell from this picture, but this is the biggest star we have ever. Found, Stevenson two eighteen, and and not only is it the biggest star we've ever found, second place isn't even close. This star is incredibly massive. It is eighteen thousand nine hundred light years away from us, and it's shining that brightly. That's a Hubble image. Hubble telescope took that picture. But just to give you a reference, if we were to place the sun next to Stevenson 218, if we could go to the next slide. There's the sun, that little dot, our massive sun, that 1.3 million Earths fit inside of our sun. That's the sun, and that's Stevenson 218. No less than 10 billion suns would fit inside of that star. 10 billion. Stevenson 218 shines with a luminosity of 400,000 suns. This thing is absolutely unbelievably huge. And we discovered it two years ago. Every time we turn a telescope out and we, when we figure something else out about the heavens, it's an opportunity for us as humans to worship. And the size and the vastness and the power of the nuclear engine at the core of that star is mind-boggling on an extreme level. And yet that star exists to declare. It exists to say, my creator the god that made me that just spoke me into existence is far more massive is far more powerful than the nuclear engines inside of me he is great he is glorious and all we have to do as humans is look up at the night sky to see this incredible incredible landscape of God's glory. And what David says is it's declaring, it's speaking. If that's true of stars, then how do humans worship? What is it that humans do unique from stars? Well, stars are inanimate objects, we know that. But what happens when God gives life to human beings and not just life, God gives rationality, God gives you brains, God gives you, even above the animal species, he gives you something more. He gives you an image-bearing identity that's different from all other life. As far as we know of in the entire universe, we are image-bearers uniquely. How does that make worship different for us? Humans worship by valuing God over every other thing. That's different. That's different from a star. A star doesn't value. A star doesn't decide. A star doesn't make choices. It simply is, and it worships. But humans are different. Humans value God. They worship by valuing God over every other thing that would be a possible rival to God. Now, the beginning of Psalm 19 is all about creation. The heavens declare, the sky above, day and day to day, They're all declaring, everything is declaring, all of the inanimate objects. But the end of Psalm 19 gets into David himself as a human being and his worship of God. And what is it precisely that he worships when he worships God? He actually worships, now I'm going to be careful how I say this, he worships God's revelation. What I mean by that is he's worshiping what he the only way in which he can know God. He says, I love it. I love it. It's not because he loves the pages of a book. It's not because he loves the words on the page. It's because he loves the God behind them, And he loves and he knows that this, and by holding this, I'm referring to, David calls it the law of God. Your law is perfect. I love it. I delight in it. Why is that? It's the only way I can know you. And I delight in you. I want you. And so he finishes at the end of this whole litany of ways where he's talking about the law in these different ways, the statutes of the Lord, the law of the Lord. He even says the fear of the Lord. And he gets all the way down to the end. And if you're following along, look at Psalm 1910. He says, all of this this law, this your word, your revelation to us, it's more to be desired than gold. Do you hear the value that David is placing on his God next to the value of supposedly the greatest thing that the earth has to offer gold and he says your word is more to be valued the way in which i come to know you is more to be desired than the greatest thing that the greatest earthly treasure that i could possibly have He says, it's more to be desired desired are they, are they your commandments than gold, even much fine gold, the best gold, the best gold. And then he says, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. He says, just that, that sweetness of honey on my tongue. There is in, in some ways on earth, there's nothing better, but you and your word, the way in which I know you is better than all of that and so the psalmist worships by preferring he worships by valuing god he prefers the word of god to even the most amazing of earthly treasures and friends this is at the heart of worship this is what this is when we sing we're not just singing hey god is great god is great god is great our hearts are engaged in saying god i prefer you i desire you more than Whatever it is that might enter into my mind at that moment, whatever it is that I've been, you know, whatever it is that I find most valuable in my, during my work week or throughout my life, I prefer you. That's what our, our singing does. It's hearts that say, I prefer you, I value you as higher than. The English word worship, some of you may be familiar with this if you're etymology nerds. The English word worship is actually the word worthship. It originally was worthship and then it got shortened to worship. What is worship? It's ascribing worth. God, you are valuable. You are worth a lot. You are worth more than anything. And so when we worship, we ascribe worth to God. We tell him who he is, we, and we don't, we don't make him worthy when we worship him. We're simply speaking the truth about what he already is. And we're aligning our hearts up with what is true in the universe because God already is worthy and our worship doesn't make him. So it lines our hearts up with who he is. So, As we do these prayer nights and worship nights, or as we gather here on, on, on Sunday mornings to be together, know what you're doing when you worship, know what you're doing when you sing to him, know what you're doing when you say, God, I'm going to sit under your word preached. And I love it. I love your word and I desire you because this is the way in which I'm going to come to know you better. What we're doing in all of that is we are ascribing worth to God we're saying I prefer you more than any other rival any other idol that I could possibly have in my life so as we have tonight let's continue as a church to worship him as the one who is more worthy than anything else in all creation let's worship him as the creator of Stevenson 218 that is just mind-bogglingly big Let's do what all the the rest of creation is doing. Let's find ourselves caught up in all of his creation as we worship him by giving him worth. Let's display him as glorious. Father, we ask now that you would help us as a church to be a worshiping church. We wanna be a church that doesn't just sing songs, but that we value you in our lives. We value you through the choices that we make. And that when rivals come, Lord, when idols come into our life and try to claim allegiance to our hearts, may we know God, may we just have a deep sense that they don't come close to who you are, even if they offer the sugar high of sin, that, 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 that quick feeling of, oh, that feels right, or that seems to be the way to go, or that's going to get me what I'm after in the moment only to drop us later. May we know you, God, as the God who is the God of all joy and eternal joy. So we love you, praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.